Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Day Wizards. I'm Callan, and today I'm speaking with Non. I think that's how you say your name. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So, Non, you contacted me on Odyssey on one of my videos and basically offered for me to come live in the tower of your castle that you're building. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you showed you sent me some links and I looked up and you really are building a castle. And, you know, there's a lot more going on with what you're doing. You had this. Um, I don't know what you would call it, like an organization or something that you call a lodium. And uh, I'd, I'd just really like to get into what all of that is. You know, it even includes like the blockchain and all of that stuff. But first, I'd like to start with like, what is what is a lodium? Like you made a video about the definition, but, you know, I'd like to kind of talk about it a bit. So could you kind of rephrase that for me and, you know, people in the audience who haven't heard it before? Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll try to make it succinct. Um, basically, the the word "lodium" goes back to the the feudal times, and it has roots in in French and Germanic. And it was essentially the opposite of feudalism. So, um, a lodium represents someone's property, similar to the word estate. But it represents someone's, their property, their home, their lot, which is owned absolutely by occupation and defense and without any acknowledgement of any overlord. So in mm-hmm. feudalism, it was basically like the, the spread of the, the disease of domination and overlords. So everyone within the feudal system ends up paying a, a, a tax to somebody, and that, mm-hmm. that tax ends up funneling towards the pope, who's at the... Uh, who's at the center of that feudal system. Yeah. So so there's, there's someone who owns basically everything and then kind of gives power over or control over it to delegates it to, you know, Lords, you know, people who answer to him and obey him. And then, you know, he gets people to come in and basically use the land in various ways through rent or, or labor or whatever. Right. So that's, that's feudalism. And you're saying, Right. A lodium would basically be, wouldn't the Pope, wouldn't he be, doesn't he have an lodium? He just happens to be using it in terms, you know, in, in, a, in like feudalism. Yeah. So, well, um, well, the, the modern version would be more like the central banks versus versus the Pope. But to answer your question, um, the, the way that I actually discovered the word elodium was through the, the concept of elodial title, which is something that religions and royalty basically have to their property so that they are outside of this matrix of taxation uh, that everyone else is in. So the, the, the royals and the, and the, and the religion basically have elodial title to their properties and that's why they don't have to pay taxes, but they don't teach the average person that it is our inherent right that we can claim our own elodium. And um, they, they, they try to brainwash the average person that that death and taxes are the two things that are guaranteed in life. But uh, but if you refuse to pay taxes to your overlord, then you're not guaranteed uh, to pay taxes. You're just guaranteed to die at some point. <laughs> but everyone yeah. dies. So. Um, so, so would you say I have a lodial, is it something that can apply more than just like physical land? Like, do I have a lodial title to my body? Yes. Um, if you, if you claim that, and so that's very similar to the concept of, of, uh, an individual sovereign. So an individual sovereign had their, their body is their, is the, do, is their domain of their, um, their sovereign being and and simultaneously their body is their uh, well it depends for each individual really whether you claim your body as as the as your sole inherent property or as the as the domain in which you have sole jurisdiction of um, it seems like the same thing but the difference would be that um, if it's just the sort of the jurisdiction of you can open it to other relativities as opposed to if it's an absolute property, then it's um, there's less kind of common ground, I guess. Mm-hmm. So what are the qual- what are the requirements? What are the net, like you, I assume you have to find land that someone is not using. And then beyond that, what does it take to, you know, get a lodial title? 
Like, so, how would you prove to someone that you had a lodial title? It uh, it depends on the standard of proof um, in in the first set. So the difference between allodium and allodial title is that allodial title is basically and I'm kind of making this up as I go, but it's it's like the amalgamation of how an elodium can exist within the feudal system. So mm. absent that system of taxation, no one needs a title because everyone just has their elodium. But for yeah. for those who have an elodium to coexist within this within the system of taxation, they need all, some sort of grant or title that all, says all right. we, don't, cool. we don't owe that that fee. So that's clarity for me on the defini- the difference between those two definitions. So then I'll rephrase my question to use the word elodium instead of elodial title. Okay. Um, so for someone to establish their own elodium, basically it's the, the same right that every individual has to settle vacant land. So as, as an individual finds vacant land where there's not uh, – where they can establish their own property and their own claim to the utilization of that land, uh, then the, their property becomes their elodium. The, the, the difference between just the property and the elodium is that the elodium has to be um, lived in. So, so your full-time property that you occupy and defend as opposed to just somebody's property, like you could build a bench out of some trees in the woods and that could be your property, but it's not your elodium. But if you, if you went and slept under that bench, then it could become your elodium. Okay. So basically it has to be available. You have to have built something there and which therefore you can own it. I don't know. We can get into this later or now if you want, but I would say you can't own things. You can't own land, but you can't own what you build on the land. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and so therefore you have something there, which you have an interest in and no one else has an interest in. And in that sense, you have ownership of that spot. I mean, someone could, technically come onto the land but you know then they'd be kind of taking away your personal security in a way you know if they're just creeping around your house all, all day you know it's kind of like well this is inappropriate um yep. and then you talked about defense like your ability to defend it so that seems like ultimately uh, there's no backing to this beyond your say so it's like well this is my land and if you say otherwise and try and take it from me i'm going to fight you to the death is, is that all that's behind it, or you think there's something more? Fun? Yeah, I mean, I mean, essentially, uh, not that uh, I think this is a quote of Mao, not that, uh, that I think it's the only quote of Mao that I'm aware of, but that political power comes out of the barrel of a gun. Um, but also, you could go back to the American Revolution or the, the state in which I've established my elodium was uh, Vermont, and Vermont has its own unique history of why it was an independent republic independent from the from the 13 colonies but essentially any jurisdiction is only upheld by the by the power of the of the the people that are um securitizing it essentially so that um and and i think one of the important aspects of that is the property line so the the difference between um so say you build a home off grid then that's your property. And then if you live in it, then that's your elodium and you have rights to your home, but somebody could just start walking right around your home and that might unsettle you. But in a way like, and it, it could be a, it could be a bear. It could be a natural creature. Um, but uh, I kind of lost my train of thought, but what well, I was trying in, to in that case, in that case, you... actually that, uh, so the, the property line is, is an extension. It's also your property, but it encloses a territory which then becomes um, basically a separate jurisdiction within the enclosed territory than the the territory outside of that property line. So that would be that your elodium would 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 change from your home to the the territory within that property line once that property line is established. So it's kind of like a second second stage. So we have situations like and this. Kind of gets me into another topic, which is more relevant, like relevant to my situation. Is we have people who see themselves have, as owning large sections of, of land. For example, like BLM land, Bureau of Land Management in the United States. Um, yeah. 
you know, it's not really being used for anything. It's just kind of there being held aside for people to use, but the people are only able to use it for two weeks at a time. And then they have to get the hell out of there. And, you know, there's, there's someone somewhere who thinks they own it, but they're not doing anything with it. Like they set their boundary, they sent their property line, their fencing, you know, across an entire section of a continent. And, and they say that's legitimate. So at what, so you can justify you having a fence, you know, 30 meters around your house, but like, when does it become ridiculous? So to, to extrapolate that, I guess to, to a much larger region. So if we're talking about the federal lands of a, of a very large region that um, for the most part, as far as I understand, they don't actually put fences around it, but they might put signage up that um that is and 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 just as a general rule and i don't know if this is true everywhere but at least in vermont even if you if you buy the rights to land within within the whole system um if you don't fence that land and you don't post that land then anybody can walk across that land hunters can go and hunt on that land and so by by posting the land of no trespassing you establish a different degree of rights relative to that land and relative to that other people or mm-hmm. and relative to other people and 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 then if you fence the land it's a different degree of of rights relative to that land but i do agree with you which i would say most people don't understand this but the concept that you can't actually own land mm-hmm. um, but yeah. you can but so when people think of the concept of i'm going to go buy some land the, what they're really doing is they're going out and buying rights to use that land so that the 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 social kind of system won't compete with them for the rights to use that land so they're basically getting a a, per, a permit or permission in order to rent that land cuz you don't actually buy it you always owe taxes mm-hmm. um so so it's all working within that system so to transcend that system is to is to establish one's own property right which transcends the rights which are claimed by the uh, on paper or um or on other forms which are not local not not in reality but just um in relative to a legal system and then if they want to challenge your claim it becomes um an issue of weighing who has a greater claim to that uh to the rights to that land essentially and the choice is there for the individual to play that game within that system or to not um, to not subject oneself to that system. So if, if one is living in, in in their allodium, they would never subject themselves to an overlord because then they they would be denying their own allodium. Mm-hmm. So if I were to go out into BLM and find some little spot and, you know, build up a earth ship and... Uh, you know, no one ever comes around there for months at a time. And, you know, it's just it's just where I live. And technically, the government says they own it. Uh, like if if someone were to realize where I was and not like that, I was there and come there as the government with people with guns and say, sorry, you can't be here. Do you what do you think? I mean, are people who are interested in, in having their own elodium? Are they screwed in that situation? Do they just have to avoid ever being found or or? Is there actually some way to, like, legally defend yourself? Well, I mean, it's a it's a it's a practical question in the in the scenario that you propose. If you're on uh, you're on some federal land somewhere, the um, and then they want to uh, to evict you essentially, and and if you're refusing, um, one one example that just came to mind is people who climb up into big trees to stop loggers from logging. Mm-hmm. So they don't have, based on the legal system, they don't have any right to be there. And the loggers have all the legal rights to cut down the trees. But based on the reality that the person is in the tree, um, the loggers won't cut down the tree because then they'll be liable for that. Um, so, so it seems like uh, really they'd just be liable in terms of public outrage as long as it was known enough that the person was there in the tree and that they had been killed by the loggers. Or do you – oh, I guess – I mean, in, do you well, think yeah, that in that in that in that logging example, I mean, the the person in the tree doesn't stop them from uh, from cutting down the tree, right? But because of the accountability of some other some other system or their own moral code, one way or the other, they uh, 
they don't do that. But I don't so know if, if that's I don't the feel big, like I don't like I don't feel like sheriffs are going to follow that moral code based on the examples that I see. So it seems like I'd have to rely on the outrage of the public. Well, but, so to and then and then well to 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 continue my answer that it's also a uh, it's also a practical matter. So if if um, another example is Occupy Wall Street, so and or just homeless tent encampments, when you have a, a bunch of people just in tents, you can have the authorities come in in the middle of the night and in a matter of hours they can throw all those tents in dumpsters and the people are screwed. But if those same people had built earth ships, the it wouldn't be as simple of a task in order mm. to eliminate those shelters. Yet, like if it was a city park, yeah, they could get a bulldozer and then they could get rid of the earth ships. But if you built in a place where that's not easily accessible for the for the bulldozer, then maybe they wouldn't. And then it's also it's a cost benefit um, cost benefit analysis as well for for all the parties involved so if you're not really causing a problem to anyone and and they're not going to get anything out of getting a whole bunch of like a group of 10 or 20 people together in in all this combat gear and they have to pay all these people and then they have to go find somebody out in the wilderness to try to evict them and like mm -hmm. and and if you haven't really put much money into it you could just leave that place and you could start building another place and then from their perspective it's like whack-a-mole and asymmetric warfare where you're recycling waste tires in order to create shelters for life oasises and they are having to spend lots of money to get a bunch of goons to go around to try to, to yeah. try to destroy them. So, and, and, but it's all, that's all in the mind. That's all psychological. When it gets to reality from what I've experienced, most people, they don't want to, they don't like, that's like not their area of operation. They don't want to deal with that at all, essentially. So it's almost like you, 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 you get out of the matrix and, and um, unless, unless there's a real outstanding reason why you're creating a problem for some other party well i feel like a likely situation in the future is there will be many groups of us doing this and we'll have you know even more than one person in a, in a lodium and this will be well known to people and, and people who are going into this borg system which is the way i look at it, it they will want to escape and the only escape will be into you know coming to places where people are not part of that system and that will be annoying to the the borg the borg consensus machine or whatever you know and that will be enough reason you know it doesn't matter if you're not causing any problems even if you're a benefit to their economy it's ultimately the fact that you're making their slaves leave their system and so what do you what do you do in that situation when they're like going to take you out just because you annoy them well i think the uh, the ideal is really if um is is kind of a mass awakening that if everyone claimed their own elodium um like there was some public broadcast and and everyone says your home your, your home is now your elodium you own it absolutely you don't own anyone you don't owe anyone for it and it's your responsibility to protect it um that the idea would be that everyone just claims their own home as their elodium and that they 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 transform from debt serfs to individual sovereigns but and that uh, would work if we all did it at the same time but it seems like right. an, any awakening along those lines would have to be people setting an example in right. the beginning and right. so they will those people will have to face these difficulties of the right. system coming after them right well and so to use uh to use my own example relative to this situation that um this year there's basically i'll be facing this whole uh this whole subject basically because I have been using a strategy of camouflage for the, for the first uh, basically seven years that I've been building here. And because I've, I've established myself enough over that time and I'm confident enough in my exclusive claim to my property that uh, in the last build season, I've decided to transform uh, to drop the camouflage essentially and to build a, uh, a castle facade with, uh, with crenellades and all, at the in in a very visible way so that and i and i try to do it in a in a way that is aesthetically pleasing as well so that um when people see this new feature they they start with a positive thought in relation to it as opposed to like 
what's that rebellious person doing not paying taxes or whatever instead they're like oh here's this different thing there's a castle here and it's it's nice to see that as you drive by and so um my 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 technique is to try to transcend any 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 potential conflict and if i end up in any sort of violence or conflict it means i've failed in my primary in my primary goal basically mhm interesting so are you aesthetics certainly has has a big uh, a big impact on that as far as um another example i i saw somebody establishing their elodium on uh like a freeway on ramp somewhere in the southwest i want to say and basically they terraced this what was otherwise like an arid like the side of a freeway on-ramp and they basically Mm -hmm. terraced it and gardened it and they set up this little shack and it looks like a beautiful little little uh little homestead or something and they don't they don't own the property they don't have any right to it they just started living there and nobody ever bothered them because they uh they appreciate just looking at that it looks nicer than than the than the opposite and that's uh that's that's like a freeway on-ramp yeah that's cool that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested in talking also about your castle. So if there were any other ideas about Elodium that you wanted to cover real quick, just for people who are just new to the idea, but then I want to, I want to jump into talking about what you're doing on your land there. Um, there's a, there's a lot of tangents I could go on to in relation to Elodium. So I guess we'll just, uh, we'll leave it there for now. Or the last thing I'll say is, so. So there's the 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 word elodium and the concept of of its definition, and then the the coop the cooperative of sovereigns, which has formed a sovereign state, is called elodium with a capital A. So I decided to call the the cooperative and the state elodium in order, almost as like an advertising campaign for the word elodium, in order for people to gain more awareness kind of of that word kind of like championing the word and the and the mm-hmm. and the idea kind of nice so so actually now i kind of feel like a better transition i should want to get to the to the property to the castle but we'll make that a teaser for people what is i want to hear about the you have a, a blockchain basically a cryptocurrency which you have going which i think you call elodium as well or elodium something Right. So, yeah. So, um, so Elodium is a the capital A now is a is a cooperative of sovereigns, and the the binding agent is this uh, is or like the contractual binding agent is this affirmation of truth, rights, and responsibility, which I see as kind of like in mathematical terms, like the least common denominator that we can all kind of agree upon and use mm-hmm. that as the, the basis of any kind of conflict resolution. Um, so that's kind of like the, in a way, that's like the constitution of, the, or the, the, the contract. Uh, let me turn that water pump off real quick. So that's basically the, the contract of the, the cooperative of sovereigns. And then the elodium that I created, so lowercase now, that I established and settled out of vacant country of Vermont uh, and moved here permanently back in 2014, I staked, uh, and then I had established a home and a property line and then a territory. So I staked that to the cooperative of elodium in 2017 in order to create the, the territory, which then caused it to be a, a its own sovereign state so it has its own jurisdiction its own territory uh its own um uh constituted um basis for that and then so the the blockchain aspect of it is the currency of elodium mm-hmm. and it is connected to a um uh, a currency system and then a second layer of se- a security ba- basically system where um, individuals can ha- can uh, generate a stake in the cooperative and invest in the cooperative and um, uh, how do I so ba- ba- basically it sounds like it's a it's like a distributed country in a way like someone can set up their own elodium lowercase a you know anywhere in the world really and basically join the uppercase a elodium and have a constitution have its own currency 
yeah have you know a general understanding and it was completely voluntary it's not like oh you were born in this land and therefore you must follow the rules of of right. this no it's it's all voluntary membership which is what governments really should be right yeah it should all be by the consent of the people for their mutual benefit mm-hmm. and and that's exactly right that yeah. um currently the the only T- territory of Elodium is this location that I've staked to it, but it could absolutely grow in a, in a decentralized way where someone could um, like someone in an island in the Pacific or someone who just owns an island anywhere. They could, they could, um, they are, they have the exclusive rights to that island to not, to not say that they actually own the land, but um, they could uh, re restake their property from mm-hmm. the, from kind of the conventional system to a system that's more aligned with them. So, and it, it gets into the idea of that government should be a voluntary contractual thing. It shouldn't be, um, there should be options and there should be a free market of different types of, and I don't even really like the word government in relation to Elodium. I call it an empowerment because the whole point of it is it's just empowering the people who are voluntarily cooperating. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the one of the I've been really interested in the whole monetary system, the currency system and studying that of why the debt based system is is inherently flawed and basically doomed to be bankrupt from the start. And Mm -hmm. there's there's an aspect of that capitalism that's very effective for an economy to run um, the, the free market capitalism. But when the capital is defined as debt then everyone just ends up in debt slavery. So the the first step really of of Elodium was was me really trying to understand the problem and then figure out how to invert the problem. So instead of having a debt based system that that basically feeds off of everyone, um, to invert that into an abundance based system that empowers everyone is the uh, is kind of the ideal while while maintaining the, the the whole free market aspect so not trying to i don't know i feel like there's this whole trend of problem reaction solution like the current system and the, and a lot of people say oh well the current system is free market capitalism and it's failed and therefore we have to go to these other control yeah. systems and that's the solution yeah. but in fact the current system is a control system and we, we need yeah. to get rid of the whole control system and the solution is a real free market with um with uh, with capital that that's in line with it. yeah yeah totally and you know it brings up an interesting thing that happens to me a lot i talk about how you can't own property and i am definitely not a communist and people accuse me of being a communist for saying that like how do you see like do you think that the way that the communists see that that specific aspect is correct or do you think their understanding of it is also not the same thing you're talking about I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't call myself an expert on any of those communism or socialism or any of those isms, but I feel like they're all control systems essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's very important, and uh, I think property rights are very important, and that they stem from the absolute authority of the the individual over their body, and and so right. the work that the that the individual does is what the property right is right if you take my home then you're harming my body you know my security my warmth my storage of all the things i need you know defense from animals and humans so uh an attack on your home you know taking away your elodium is basically a direct threat against you right and you have a a right to defend your property as well as your as well as yourself um, there's, there's kind of different degrees, um, of what kind of defense is appropriate relative to property versus relative to oneself. But I don't think anyone really disputes the the individual's right to defend themselves or their property. Um, but mm-hmm. the, one of the aspects that I think was important that you mentioned is the, is the, the concept of property rights. And so in the, in many systems, like, like maybe socialism or communism, you basically don't really have any property rights. Um, so while I don't, believe in land ownership i i do believe in property rights definitely but it's just that the land isn't the property the property is established upon the land and it's the responsibility right. of the to steward the land as opposed to own and kind of extract the land for their own benefit or the totally. resource yeah. 
So, so do I have to have a lowercase elodium in terms of land in order to join the uppercase elodium? No. Um, so there's kind of different tiers of being involved with the cooperative of elodium. So the the I guess the lowest tier is just that the anyone can transact in the currency of elodium, which is the appreciation token. So we have our own our own blockchain where the the appreciation tokens are generated and the ledger is is kept. But then we also are using um, a blockchain platform called the Waves blockchain, and in in the future we'll use other other blockchain platforms as well that host tokens so that we can have our tokens also trade on different cryptocurrency platforms. So anyone who's on the waves platform can actually buy an appreciation token, which costs around 25 cents per token. And they can then take part in that economy. Um, The next kind of tier of involvement would be a member of Elodium, which um, the only requirements are to be sponsored by a stakeholder, and then to um, every member has a public uh, account. Um, so there's a the Elodium blockchain. There's a block every week, and every week um, the all of the accounts are updated. So that, um, well, I guess. To try to explain this, I have to go on another tangent. So every member of Elodium generates one appreciation token every day. So once a member is sponsored and they've created a name for their public account, then they start uh, accumulating those daily appreciation tokens in their account, which is um, viewable via the weekly reports. And then if they want to, they can transfer those appreciation tokens to the Waves ecosystem so that they can have them directly on their wallet, on their phone, and then they can sell them or transact them in that way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar to how like the US dollar can be used by anyone in the world, but then there's another level where you know, you're a United States citizen is kind of your, your system. And... Um, right. Right. There's like this, there's like the treasuries and there's like the secure dealers and there's all these different levels within that kind of system that I don't even really fully understand, but. Mm-hmm. And value comes from like the, the members within it kind of, there's, there's reasons why you would want to have these tokens within the system, but also the fact that it is used outside of the system brings it value for the member even to be used outside the system. I think you're, I don't remember what it was. It was like more than 10 cents, like whatever a lodium is. It's like 30 cents or what is it right now? Am uh, I totally off? Each, yeah. each appreciation token, yeah. I think they've traded, their overall range has probably been between 10 cents and 40 cents and they usually hover right around 25 cents um, per appreciation mm-hmm. token. And, and, but that's not, um, that's not like a fixed price. That's, that's just based off of the trading going on. So that can, that can yeah, change demand. the free market, right? Just supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that then, seems, seems pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, well, the other thing I was, I was just about to say is that the, um, the currency itself is basically backed by the, um, the jurisdiction and the organization and everything that's provided by the cooperative, which is essentially um, sort of a support system and services for the for the stakeholders. And ideally, at some point, so it, could be, it could there could be like transportation in different places, similar to like um, like Airbnb or whatever, where you'd be able to or or woofing that you could go to different farms, live in different places, and, and kind of a network of of support and kind of a grassroots community, I guess. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about, and I've actually come across lots of different people who have the same idea of like a community of a network of properties where people can, you know, people who are maybe nomadic or want to move around and help various projects in various places just because of how they want to live and that type of stuff. Uh, Elodium seems like a really good like starting point for something like that. Yeah, that's what I'm aiming for. And I think the, I mean, the idea is if there's, if there's 10,000 different examples of people kind of trailblazing and trying to solve the problem, then um, we're likely to get a bunch of different solutions that work well. 
Um, so I'm all for the kind of the decentralized solutions. And if there's a, if there's a better, if there's a better way, I'm happy to, uh, to go with that, but I'm just trying to, uh, to solve the problems that I see in the best way that, uh, that, that I, that I can, I guess. Yeah, that's great. I love that you're, you recognize that, you know, you may just be an example of how this can work and it may be not be your system would ultimately, you know, is the one that most, you know, a largest amount of people are flocking to and which um, truly blooms. But, um, you know, just, yeah, I, just doing it kind of is supporting the creation of, of that possibility. Yep. And, and um, as long as, um, as long as I'm still here doing it, it's a certain degree of, of proof that it's possible. And then even if yep. I fail, there's, a, there's learning lessons that could be learned from that too. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about your lowercase elodium now. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, sounds like you you went up to the Earthship School up here around where I am in Taos, uh, yep. New Mexico, and you learned there. And you know they use all kinds of different tactics, but I I think tires and filled with dirt and stuff is one of the main things. So that's is that how you started? Tell me about the the building process. Yep. Um, I went to the Earthship Academy in 2014. And um, before that, I knew that I wanted to move off grid and be self-sustainable and kind of get into permaculture. But I wasn't really sure the the way in which to do that. And um, the Earthship School was at that time was the majority of the money that I had. So I was kind of on the fence about going to it, because if I went to it, that would be spending most of my money that I was going to be putting towards a build. But it ended up being the the best money spent that I that I could have spent to learn all of their techniques and see all of the creations that they've made and and that inspiration and connecting with those people and everything. Um, so they they definitely use tires a lot. They're all about using recycled materials and local materials that are just readily in abundance, and then figure out how to work with them. Um, so so tires are definitely the fundamental building block. They're free. And you can fill them with dirt and pound them full of dirt with a sledgehammer so that they become really solid. And then you can build with them similar to like bricks and basically build the foundation of a structure with tires so that um, you're putting in no, um, there's no cost and you're, and you're upcycling a waste product mm-hmm. and you're just putting in labor. And then, um, and, and really the foundation is, is the probably the most Im- expensive part of a home of a conventional home is is pouring that foundation and getting that that excavation and that groundwork done so you're basically bypassing that that most expensive phase and um and then also just trying to maximize the the use of recycled materials like in all of the building that i've done over the last seven years i haven't um all of the doors all of the windows are all recycled a lot of the lumber. I've, I've just maximized all of the, the recycled uh, materials that I could possibly use. A lot of the insulation I got was recycled and contacting local businesses and figuring out what their waste products are and then figuring out a way to, to build with them. Um, wow. So, uh, so I guess I, I, so I went to that school in, in spring of 2014, the Earthship Academy, and then I was ready all right out out the gate basically from that school to start building and so um i well i i went on another build for a month but then as soon as i got back to vermont i basically found the place where i was going to build and um and it and got the tires and and really uh a, a an airship type structure one of the most empowering parts about it is that you can you can go to a tire place and you can go get like two tires and walk away from the place carrying two tires and take it to your secret spot where no one's going to bother you and you can you can take those two tires and create the the foundation of your of your home of which 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 can become your absolute property as soon as you walk away with those tires those tires are your property but they're also your responsibility because if mm-hmm. you just drop those tires, you have now littered those tires and and, yep. um, and you've created waste. So so then it becomes your responsibility to to create value out of them. And there's also this interesting concept that as you're creating this structure, you're creating value, but relative to the external system, you're kind of accumulating waste in a way where, where like if you build a tire wall with 40 tires, for you, you have the 
or you, uh, the, for the person who builds it, they have all of this uh, satisfaction that they've, they've created this wall and they put the labor in and that becomes their property. They can see it in front of them. But relative to the, the, the kind of Borg or matrix system, that, that property is like a liability of, of a quantifiable dollar figure. And for, for them to, mm. to get rid of what they see as a, they might define it as like a waste something it's going to cost them a certain amount of money so so the more labor you put into this project you create your own value it creates less and less of an incentive for an external party to Mm -hmm. want to deal with that um with that thing so it's like you become a negative value to them as you create your own value and that becomes like a detachment from that system kind of where where you can kind of live in live in parallel without really there being any conflict so do you because I'm considering such things um, out here somewhere where no one can find me and there's plenty of tires laying outside in, in the desert, like what kind of sand do I need or, or dirt or do, does it matter? Do I need to add water to it? Nope. You can, um, you can use any kind of sand or dirt as long as you can dig into it. If it's really rocky, it'll be difficult to dig into it. Um, but as long as you can dig into the ground, um, you can work with pretty much any kind. As long as it's not too like wet and mucky, um, then then any kind of s- sandy or loamy or soil or whatever. Um, what what I would do in a in a place that's more arid like that, you might have a very thin layer of like decent topsoil. Um, or just, I guess, in any in any place. But this is what I also did here: is there was maybe like a couple inches of good topsoil, and so I would scrape the good topsoil aside, and then I would uh, use the the soil underneath that, or the dirt underneath of that, for building. And then I would put the better topsoil, like keep that aside for the gardening type mm-hmm. um, areas later. Um, but essentially, where you start with such a structure is you f- you figure out the line of the foundation of the structure you want to build, and then from the lowest contour point of that line of that foundation, that is where you start the structure. So you just level off that low point in a space big enough for your first tire, and then you put your tire down, and that's basically like your your corner your cornerstone your corner tire of your creation. Um, so as soon as that first tire is down, then everything is just is just building off of that. So um, once the first tire is down at the lowest point, then you cut in, assuming it's like a hilly type place, but you cut in the in line for the next tire and the, the dirt that you remove for the to make the, the ground level for the next tire is the dirt that you put into the first tire. And then you can kind of move like that. You want to move as little dirt as possible. So if you're mo- if you're digging up dirt you want that dirt to go directly into a tire um and then and then just consider drainage so if you're starting at your low point then you also want to think about how is the water going to get out of that low point and then those are basically the two um the the two kind of considerations to so you meant- to, to, to take your first step so you mentioned uh i think yesterday about having a certain side facing south is that that type of thing so is that Where's the low point, ideally, in relationship to the cardinal directions? So the the most basic structure that you can build using tires is basically in the shape of a U, where the op- where the open shape of the U is going to be facing your you're going to get your sun exposure in that in that open space. The that wouldn't be necessary if you're living in a place where you don't need that heat, but I know uh, where you are, you definitely want that you to be southern facing. So mm-hmm. the idea is that if you can get some insulation to insulate the outside of your tire wall and then you can enclose the space with with uh, glass glazing in the open face of the U. Then as the sun arcs across the sky, it's going to um, shoot into your structure and it's going to warm up that, that tire wall. And that tire wall will have a lot of ther- thermal mass and so it'll be basically a battery and it will store that heat. And then even overnight, as the sun is is not there to heat you the heat will radiate back out of the walls and 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 regulate the 
the temperature of your structure. Um, that's, that's that's awesome. Like I've been thinking, I I work a lot with solar. Like I have my solar electric bike. I have uh, a solar oven. You know, I sit in the sun and sun gaze every morning. I'm always thinking about how to harvest the sun. And lately, I've been thinking like I heat up a, a bunch of rocks with my wood stove right now. But I'm like, why couldn't I just heat up a bunch of something, something really massive, you know? over the entire day and then you know just let it keep me warm all night and so that's that sounds perfect man i feel like i could go out i mean is there any is there any like advantage to digging the tires into the earth a little bit or do you think they should just be set on the ground i haven't um i haven't done any tire excavation the the kind of or digging so basically the tires just go directly on the ground and then you create them level the 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 insulation method of the earthships is what basically pushes the frost line back from the tire wall so that the frost doesn't get under your tire wall so it doesn't destabilize your foundation essentially so that you don't need your your foundation Mm. deeper you just need to have the push the insulation further out from the from the tire wall essentially so that you can just build directly on the ground so all the structures that i built have just been tires right on the ground for some structures i've put uh t-posts in to be kind of like um like uh basically the the tire structure gets integrated with t-posts that go into the ground as as kind of more to prevent the tire any like slippage on the surface but that's only for really bigger mm-hmm. structures and for columns and stuff that have pressure coming from different directions so so you started with the tires and you made a fairly large structure and you said that you kind of camouflaged it um and you, i know you mentioned camouflage yesterday when we were talking but i don't remember what the specifics were what are the, what's the strategy for camouflage the well in general is for privacy um the the first year that i built my structure i did a a u a u-shaped structure facing south and i found a basically somewhat like a, a a bowl in a hilltop so i'm on like the north lip of the bowl which is facing south kind of which gave me a lot of privacy and then i would basically build up brush walls using brush as i clear out the area i would i would make brush walls out of brush or um tires are can be used very effectively in order to make kind of like privacy walls where the structures that you're going to build with tires you're going to pound them pound the dirt so it's really solid but you can use them externally as kind of like garden walls planter walls where you don't pound the dirt in, but you just put the dirt in and then you can like transplant sod on top or tra- or plant different things in them. I've, um, I'm a fan of planting raspberry bushes and different kind of berry bushes in tire walls. So you kind of get, you get the food production and then you also get the kind of like the, the thornish kind of aspect of, uh, of, uh, of preventing kind of that, um, it's like a an, mm-hmm. an natural a- analog to like barbed wire, but it's a but it's a productive and, and creating yep. food kind. Of. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. But so the the tires are just a really good way where you can. So say if there if the place where you build, if you realize there's a sight line that maybe there's there's a walking path or a traffic path, or, or you realize if someone goes there and they look this direction, they're gonna see me then you can very easily like make a stack of tires and put some dirt in it and then and put some sod over it so when they look at that same line they're going to see a mound that looks like a mound of weeds basically um instead of seeing your structure mm-hmm. um so it, it's a like there's there are circumstances where i i established my uh my lodium on the edge of a quarry that was mostly extracted but after i had started building they like came back and they started there was basically all of these like huge giant machinery within like a hundred yards of me where I was like on the edge, like if they find me, like they already have all these machines and they're just going to, they're going to come like just destroy me. And um, so there was like, I was just actively like putting tires up and like, and, and um, just making sure that they, 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 uh, they couldn't see me at that phase. And then they, the, the excavations for the quarry then moved further away so that, um, 
it became less of an issue. But basically in the, in the first year there was like, uh, there was a lot of kind of threats, like very, very close threats from destructive machinery where as I'm working, I'm simultaneously hearing like these loud destructive noises and like trees <laughs> getting ripped up and like, and rocks like exploding and all this like, like heavy machinery work. Cause I'm trying to yep. just create, create right next door. <laughs> wow. Sounds like you've had quite an adventure and it's kind of cool that it's uh, reaching a point that you're willing to kind of expose yourself to the world. I'm curious how you're, how you're building it into the castle. I mean, I think, I think that's really cool. Look, it's probably, I don't know if you can stand up on the roof. I didn't look closely enough, but it looks like it would make it easy to repel borders. Yeah. Um, So it, yeah, basically makes a, there's basically like a walkway behind the, behind the parapet wall. So you can, so you can uh, stand right up there. Um, and it was it's largely all based off of the like i didn't have to transform it, the facade to look like a castle this year it wasn't it wasn't a necessity as far for really any reason but it was um the the aspect of it that or i was i was attracted to it that i wanted to do that but there's also a certain just positive connotation in people's minds for castles. Yep. And, and there's a negative connotation for things like compounds or fortresses or like, or things like that. So, so I, I, I found it valuable enough to put, to put the effort into changing the facade into specifically emulating a castle for that psychological reason, basically, so that people's first impression is one where they're happy to see a castle as opposed to like suspicious about this fortified place kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Uh, but basically the, the way that it transformed and there's pictures of the whole transformation process of this season on the, on the Elodium Steemit account, which you did inform me that Steemit is basically dead, but because I was never really using it to get, to, to like to reach other people, but I was just using it as kind of like the proof of work. I didn't really notice that um, the zero went from zero to zero of people interacting with it, but, but the proof of work is all <laughs> going back several years, but specifically this year, you can see how the, how a tire structure can kind of transform into that castle facade where um, one of the tire structures is basically entire, the, the entire walls are basically tires. And then the other two thirds of that, uh, of the structure that, that forms that castle facade is kind of mostly tire columns and then arches, ferrocement arches that arch to the tire columns. So my design strategy has kind of adapted over the years and this last year in past years i've had other people here helping and working together and cooperating and creating and stuff but this last year it was just me so one of the one of the reasons for doing that is to limit the labor so tire pounding is definitely very labor intensive so to do columns of tires and then to do ferro cement um, structures to those columns uh, um, made me or allowed me to create more this year than I would have done otherwise if I was spending a lot of time uh, tire pounding. Um, so mm-hmm. so one of the structures looks basically like a, a wall of tires and then the other one looked like kind of columns of tires with um, arches going between them. And then I basically just put rigid insulation board as a, a face up against the hole uh, covering both of those. And then I mortared over the insulation board on both sides. And then I poured aircrete on the inside in between the insulation board and the tire structure to fill in all those gaps so that it's, uh, it's all full. Um, the space is all full and insulated and, um, lots of, lots of mortar, lots of aircrete and lots of recycled materials, um, and if, uh, and it's all, it's all basically in those, uh, in the, the weekly blocks on steam it, each block has not only the ledger of people's appreciation tokens, but it has the proof of work of all the work that happened in that, uh, in that week. So that, um, that essentially from the perspective, if, if, if you need to prove the, the property right to a property, the the proof of the work going into the origination of that property is really the the ultimate kind of proof of work for that property um so that's kind mm-hmm. of the, the intent of uh of including uh 
So you mean like, like all the pictures and your documentation that you are the one that put this right, right together? And, and also, so the I mentioned in the the uh, the appreciation token in the the economic system, the one way that the appreciation tokens are generated is that every member generates one one appreciation token every day. So there's two more ways that appreciation tokens are generated. One of them is by labor, so that uh, the labor that is exhausted on behalf of the cooperative generates 10 appreciation tokens every hour. So, um, so it incentivize mm-hmm. the first the first incentive incentivizes membership and appreciating the members. The second incentive incentivizes work and labor to be invested on behalf of the cooperative. And then the there's a third way that tokens are generated by by securitizing your appreciation tokens into the into a stake in the cooperative is the third way. But those are the three ways that the that the tokens are generated. So so that's all another reason why the proof of work is important to put in the reports, because the tokens that are generated based off of that work, you can also point to say this is this is why they were generated that creating this thing is 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 what uh what that labor was invested in awesome well i, I you know all these things that you have going on and these ideas that you're talking about i mean they really resonate with me and it's a really big inspiration for me and it makes me feel optimistic about things despite how uh crazy it is and how bad it looks so i want to say uh thank you for that i appreciate it i i I do hope that you and i get a chance to um cooperate more perhaps even with me as a member of elodium I, i mean i haven't made a decision about that but that's very tempting and um yeah, I would encourage other people to check out your stuff. Um, I'm wondering if you want to point them to, if they want to learn more, or if they want to make sure they're seeing your content and stuff, where should they sure. go? Um, the, so we have a website at elodium.is. Um, it's not really uh, well managed or upkept, but there is some info there and some links to... Uh, more information there the blockchain which i mentioned so the the weekly reports that have the ledger and all of the pictures and the build pictures and everything that's on steemit at elodium and uh, and elodium is spelled a-l-l-o-d-i-u-m and then i'm i also have a youtube channel og foundation which um i I really shouldn't be on YouTube. I should be on these other platforms, but currently I'm just on. I've been on YouTube because it's uh, it's been the most uh, it's been the most convenient, and they've been censoring me for these different things and whatnot. But those are basically the the three different places. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, and then so on Telegram, which is also linked via the the Steemit page. If you follow the Elodium announcement page on Telegram, then every Tuesday when the when the weekly report comes out, it'll give you a, a notification, and then you can see all the pictures and stuff. And then uh, and then other than that, I've been putting out quite a bit of uh, of the videos on OG Foundation. But that's not all. Just in relation to Elodium, I also talk about uh, some crypto stuff and Aircrete and build build stuff and um, a kind of a a variety of subjects but in that kind of area or in economic type stuff as well and um yeah i really i really appreciate uh touching base with you and uh, we have I, we have so much common ground and i would uh, i would be really excited and happy to support you whether um whether you you want to build something out there and if there's any references i can make or advice or any way i can support you in doing that or or connecting with the Earthship School, or anything out here, or, or any of it. I'm just uh, really happy to make this uh, this connection and, and and chat with you. Awesome, me too. So, uh, so I hope we'll talk again soon. I definitely keep in touch, and um, people check them out. Uh, oh, I do want to mention. I, I did. I just clear up for other people. Steam is dead, but it's because it went to Hive Blog. And you know, I don't know if you want to, but if you were to transfer your start posting on hive instead which uses your same login account and password as esteem it did and it, it even has your account already um so i'd say if people are looking for you on steam it 
you may make the decision someday to go to Hive. I don't know. I'm going to be trying to convince you to. So yeah, I uh, I I'm I'm already open to it. the The only benefit of Steemit right now is just the unbroken chain of reports. So the more the platform switches, the harder it is for anyone in the future to go back and see the unbroken chain. But uh, I need to yep. I need to check it out. And I've heard about it, but I didn't really know what it was. And so yeah, it is very likely that we'll just migrate and start posting there um in in due cool. time and as an incentive and it's an incentive to post on odyssey maybe in addition to but perhaps even only to odyssey and not to youtube uh i i have the modern day wizards channel where i actually kind of repost other people's videos so i would definitely be watching your videos and reposting them from time to time and uh, it has a fairly decent following like two two three hundred people so it'd get you a little bit more exposure so just a little incentive there okay thank you for that as well sure yeah, I, I definitely so great talking in. with you non oh I was, Go ahead. I was just saying on the on the same uh and in, in the same kind of line with steam that i'm intending to migrate off of youtube and it's just been um it's just been a matter of convenience and because i've been busy during the build season and as, as everything slows down I'm, i'll get around to yeah. all this stuff and and get more get more with it on the in the tech realm <laughs> cool all right. It was great talking with you, Nan, and I hope to talk. You as well. Thanks, Dan. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye.